Welcome to the Lost Tapes of History podcast. You're about to eavesdrop on the first few minutes of a private conversation between one of England's monarchs and, frankly, someone just trying to do their job. The date is April 1683. The Rye House plot, an attempt to assassinate Charles, has been foiled, causing a wave of support for the king. A celebrity magazine goes to interview Charles. Is it hot in here, or is it just me? Madam? Your Majesty. What is your name, good lady? Olivia Davies, Your Majesty. (laughs) Olivia. What a lovely name. It suits you. And which publication do you work for? Tally Ho Magazine, Your Majesty. Hmm. Tally Ho. (laughs) I don't think I've heard of that. Is it read in the uh, coffee houses of London? Does it have an official license? It's more of a water-closet read, Your Majesty. (laughs) Please, call me Charles. Thank you. And thank you for agreeing to this interview. I know you must be very busy. Well, I suspect I would be a lot less busy if I were dead. Quite. Needless to say, we are all very happy that the Rye House plot was stopped in time. Has it changed your attitude to life? I've always been a merry monarch, and I see no reason why that should not continue, my dear. Tell me about your childhood, Charles. You grew up in Richmond, I believe. Oh, indeed. Beautiful place. Very happy memories. How did you spend your time? Reading? Playing games? Oh, no. Reading was scorned by my mentor, the Earl of Newcastle. He told me not to take heed of too much book as bookworms don't become statesmen. I hope he didn't include dirty pamphlets in that remark. And you were young when you departed from your father, weren't you? Hmm, just, uh, fourteen. I was given command of the West Country. When I left for Bristol, it was the last time I saw him. And the worst of it is that I cannot remember the last words we said to each other. And four years later, when I was addressed as Your Majesty, I burst into tears. I don't mind telling you. (laughs) You were on the run for so long. Can you tell me about that? Ah, yes. I became master of disguise. I hid my true identity. I created other personalities so I could talk to people. And one day I was a laborer with a local accent. The next I was a farmer... Or a servant. Sounds like the royal version of Mr. Ben. Do you have any stories that you can share? Well, I was a a servant in a big house, and I was asked to wind the jack, you know, the machine that roasts meat in front of the fire. Anyway, I was useless at it, and the cook shouted at me. I had to bite my lip, I can tell you. I can imagine. Hmm. And then... Once, I had to take a horse to a blacksmith, and the chap referred to me as a rogue. (laughs) Didn't know who he was talking to, so I had to agree with him. I think he rather liked me by the end. Of course, most of the time, I just hid. That doesn't sound easy. 
Well, not at six foot two. It wasn't. I spent one day up in an oak tree in Boscable Wood. Is that why your birthday is known as Royal Oak Day? Why, yes. It is a public holiday. And a popular name for a pub. As I said, Merry Monarch. I hear you work very hard, cramming all your work into the morning so that you can play in the afternoon. Is that your work ethic? I feel the need to feel every moment from dawn to dusk with activity. My love of clocks is famous. Your love of... Clocks, cheeky madam. I have seven in my bedroom alone, all chiming at different times of the day. Which bedroom? Your public one or your private room? Oh, you know about that. Hmm. You are remarkably well informed. Perhaps you'd like to see one in person? No, thank you. I also hear that you've invented a portable bed. You are correct, Olivia. It is easily disassembled and stowed on a cart. We had to leave quickly and discreetly at times. Do you still travel light? I asked the court to visit Tunbridge Wells and they said, will you go with a light train? I said, I intend to take nothing but my night bag. They retorted, you'll not go without 40 or 50 horses. I said, yes, I count that as part of my night bag. Hmm. I'm going to take that as a no, then. Let's skip forward to your restoration to the throne. Were you happy to be coming home after being in exile in France? I enjoyed my time in France, but I was overjoyed to be coming home, to be made king, officially. And yet you delayed your entry to London after arriving at Dover. Yes, I wanted to reach London on my 30th birthday, so I spent a few days getting acquainted with some lovely parts of Kent. Which bits? The alehouses and taverns, mainly. It's all a bit of a haze. One thing I don't understand is the official records. They say your reign started when your father died, rather than when you were restored to the throne. Yes. All events that occurred during the previous two decades were removed from the official records. What do you mean? All public acts passed in that period, such as parliamentary statutes, were revoked. They hadn't had royal consent, you see? Well, like what? I don't know. That's the point. They don't exist anymore. Oh, right. And your coronation on St George's Day, did it go well? Ah, wonderful day. I ordered five new suits from Paris. We had a giant maypole and lots of Morris dancers. Morris dancers? <laughs> yes, I know. I wanted something a bit more exotic, but uh, the naked dancing ladies were vetoed. I can imagine. So can I. <sighs> Never mind. Sire, I hope you don't mind me saying, but you are a bit of an enigma. A mystery. Am I? Um, yes. You are very gregarious and affable. Thank you? You have incredible personal magnetism and charisma. Uh, charisma. And what is that? Oh, um, it's a new word. Really? And what does it mean? It means to have special gifts that are divinely endowed. Have you been discussing me with Nell Gwynn? <coughs> I didn't mean that, sire. I mean that you are charming. Well, thank you, Olivia. 
you're also very charming and charismally charisma uh, charismatic and thank you mm. um, shall we continue i'd like to talk about your wife the queen mm. must we your marriage to Catherine of Braganza must have been a cause for celebration. She came with a very attractive dowry in the ports of Tangier and Bombay. It was the most generous marriage settlement of an English king to date. So yes, you could say it was a cause for celebration. For me, anyway. But you seem to get on well. We did in the beginning, although she couldn't speak English or French, so we had to speak to each other in Spanish. That didn't help matters. She also refused ale and insisted on tea. I mean, who prefers tea to beer? And you've not managed to have children together? Only once, once, have I ever refused her. And that was on our wedding night. And I was tired and drunk. She can't blame me after that. No, sire. You are, how shall we say, prolific in your appreciation of the female form. I love women of wit and intelligence. You'll find no idiocy in my bed. Oh, I don't know. And legs. I like legs. I notice you have a nice long set. Is it true that when you were looking for a wife, you refused anyone that had previously rejected you during exile? Ha, <laughs> yes, that is true. I have standards and no man likes rejection. Tis why I fell for Barbara Villiers. We met in Flanders before I returned to England. You seem to have collected women like they're going out of fashion. My Windsor beauties. Gorgeous creatures they are, too. And how many foals has the royal stallion sired now? I have... Eleven children left alive. Uh, yes, that's right, eleven. The three of my children are not with us anymore. God rest their souls. So you had 14 in all? Well, if you say so, my dear. Old Rowley doesn't come out of the stables much anymore, although I'm sure if you asked nicely... No, thank you. I can always touch you for the king's evil while you're here. I've not heard that one before. Hmm. I've done it about a 100,000 times now. Is that a court case I see on the horizon? We read a passage from the Bible. I stroke you under the chin with both hands, and voila, you're cured. Oh, scrofula. Hang on. You touch people with an infection of the lymph nodes? Under here? Yes. Are you sure it's not infectious? What? I'd wash your hands if I were you. In brandy or something. My goodness, madam. My eternal thanks. I'm not a vain creature, but I would not want my throat to swell up like a cockerel. <laughs> For someone that isn't vain, your picture crops up on a lot of merchandise. I've seen your face on dishes, mugs, tankards, wine bottles, tiles. And those who own them are showing their loyalty to me. They're king. It's a pity you don't have a gift shop at the castle, sire. They tend to do rather well. I don't have the patience for portrait sittings. They're long enough as it is. And even the end result is, in truth, less than attractive. Any beauty tips? My royal barber, a Monsieur Foliart, uses freshly whipped egg white for my shaving foam, leaves my skin lovely and smooth, and white, and a bit sticky. I believe you've started a fashion for wigs? Indeed. 
Men are wearing long black hair to emulate me. I cannot think why. Not everyone can pull it off. And lastly, sire, do you have any hobbies that would interest our readers? I enjoy tennis. I had the court at Hampton Court refitted and a new one installed at Whitehall. I get up at five in the morning for an hour or two's play. Goodness, that's early. Lots of things around me rise early. <clears throat> I hear you like sailing? I do indeed. I particularly enjoy placing bets on the fastest. Do you take part in any sports? I enjoy playing pell-mell on Paul Mall. I... what? Pell-mell, the game? The big pell-mell court in Pall Mall. Oh, I see what they did there. Mm. Mm. I also enjoy walking at St. James Park with the dogs. Is it true that they've named a spaniel after you? Oh, glorious creatures, yes. They're allowed to roam anywhere in Whitehall, even during state occasions. I know the court are frustrated with me when I play with the dogs during council meetings. Oh, well, I'm sure they provide some light relief. Quite. Like music. I enjoy music, something I can tap my feet to. What about learning and education? I have a keen interest in astronomy, and I founded the Royal Observatory at Greenwich. And of course, the Royal Society was set up to promote learning, education, and experiments. Fascinating. I also love the theater. I endowed a royal patent on two theater companies, the King's Theater and the Duke's Theater. I expect a lot of work is written as an homage to you as well. John Evelyn wrote a piece called Panegyric to Charles II. He came to read it to me. Did you enjoy it? I said, is it in Latin and does it go on for long? What do you think? Ah. Is it true that an actor, Thomas Betterton, borrowed your coronation robes to wear in a play? Yes, that's true. I like to support the arts in any way I can. And the actresses, of course. Actresses? Yes. It was I that issued a royal patent that all female roles in the theatre should be played by women instead of men. Therefore, actresses, not actors. You surprise me, sire. Sometimes I can make the world bend to my will. Sometimes not. What do you mean? Well, take the Great Fire, for example. I wrote a letter to the mayor expressing my concern about the narrowness of the streets in London, that they make large fires likely. What did he say? He ignored me. Then look what happened. I hear you were very helpful, though. I went down to Queenhithe to help. We lost a lot of London's historic buildings that day. We did. St. Paul's burnt down. Over 13,000 houses, 87 churches, 50 company halls, but not one merchant went bankrupt. I did suggest that once rebuilding commenced, we provide wide open streets, but to no avail. But you have been responsible for some other extensive building works in London. When I appointed Christopher Wren to be my surveyor of the King's works, he actually complained that he was having to spend his time on rubbish. Hmm. Yes, that's what he called my building plans, rubbish, instead of following science and medicine. I mean, that's gratitude for you. Perhaps he thought they were too ambitious, too big? I often have that comment about my erections, Olivia. Now, come on, let's go upstairs.
all right. Keep the wig on. Next time, it's James II and the publisher. Is it a hardback? The Lost Tapes of History podcast is a Synth 79 production. If you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to get more episodes. To fact-check what you've heard on this monarch, visit our website, losttapesofhistory.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at Synth79P and use the hashtag Lost Tapes of History.